Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of East Got Game. The the I keep saying the, but it's an unofficial podcast about the NPL One East competition for 2023, where we try and preview and review and interview our way through the NBL One East competition, trying to showcase your favorite new local talent. My name's Jacinta. I'm from the Central Coast Crusaders. Joining me, as always, is the absolute icon of the league, Lockie France from the Sutherland Sharks. How are you going, Lockie? I'm great, Squin. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad for a Monday, uh, but it already feels like a Wednesday. So maybe I'm doing worse than I anticipated. (laughs) But we've also got another very special guest who's going to be riding the wave with us for the whole episode uh, we are very, very lucky to have him. He is a Canberra, well, former Canberra Gunner, but he is an MBO One East champion uh, as part of the Canberra Gunners in the 2022 season. He's now the coach of the Gunners Academy and he uh, also works at the NBA Global Academy. Plus, on the side, I've got a scoop that this guy loves some trash talk when he comes to the Central Coast. It's Reese <laughs> Carey. What an intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for us. <laughs> uh, good to have you. Good to have your perspective from down uh, in the ACT. Had to get that little uh, stab in there about how much you love the Central Coast Crusader trash talk after your brilliant story you shared with me in privacy. Yeah, I thought that was a private one, but it's okay. If it's out there, it's out there. That's fine. I, I like <laughs> The story is still a mystery. The story is still in the vault, but I just thought I'd tease the fact that there is a story nonetheless. But, yeah, thanks heaps for joining us on today's episode. Uh, today we're going to go through, obviously, as we do or as always, go through the results of round four of NBL One East 2023. We're also going to highlight a couple of games. This week we're going to highlight the Centre of Excellence versus North. The game of the week that was on KO Freebies, Manly versus Illawarra. And we'll chop it up and talk about the Sharks Gunners. And obviously, what a fitting duo we have Sutherland Sharks himself, Lockie France, and Gunners, Mr. Gunners himself, Reese K. And then we're going to probably try and go into a little bit of a deep dive and trying to figure out what is going on for the Canberra Gunners. The reigning NBL One East champions are looking not 100% themselves at the moment, so we'll probably get to that a little bit later. So let's get stuck straight into it. It was another interesting round of the East. Perhaps some predictable uh, results, perhaps some surprising. Unfortunately, it seemed like there was like a league-wide crash of the systems on the Saturday night when a lot of the... Games were happening around the country. So, unfortunately, games like the Comets-Bruins game for the women, uh, there's no stats available and uh, there's no stream available. So, apologies if either of the players from that team had a good 40 and 40 on the night. But (laughs) we didn't didn't witness to see it. So, um, apologies if if there's any omissions for our All-Star 5 at the end. But... Lockie, why don't you take it away and take us through the results for the women's comp? More than happy to, Squin. So, of course, our game of the week, Manly hosting Illawarra. It was Manly getting a big 34-point win, 84-50. to 50. And then in the potential grand final preview down in Canberra, Centre of Excellence falling 75-70 to the Norse Bears. So, Squin, your uh, championship pick, flying high, beating mine, reversing the result from last week. Uh, Maitland doubled up the Hornsby Karingo Spiders, 104 to 52. Sutherland, well, we got over the top of the Canberra Nationals, 68 54. Canberra still a little bit under strength. Uh, Hills hosted Newcastle, and it was Nicole Munger leading Newcastle to a 67 57 win. Uh, Albury travelled up to Inner West and came away with a 97 74 win. Uh, Sydney Comets got over the top of the Bankstown Bruins, 74-62, and I'm sure someone had a massive performance. If anyone wants to let us know, more than happy to hear it. And finally, on Sunday afternoon in the game you called Squin, it was the Central Coast Crusaders led by Sarah Matthews picking up an 84-63 win over the Penrith Panthers. So 
an interesting week, especially led by that result between the Centre of Excellence and the North Bears. And there were some massive stats from the Women's Conference as well, which I'm sure we'll cover uh, a bit later in the All-Star 5. Um, I won't give away uh, Sarah Matthews' stats just yet because I'm sure you're holding on to them, Lockie, for a little bit later. So I'm going to throw to Reese now. You're up, mate, throwing you in the deep end of Lake George. Give us the results from the men's comp. Substantial intro for a substantial body. Oh, I appreciate it. The uh, <laughs> boys' results went like this. There was a lot of blowouts, Squin. A lot of blowouts. It was hard to watch. The uh, well, it wasn't. I didn't get to every game. I only got two eyes. But the uh, the Sydney Comets they they stayed undefeated and they beat Bankstown. They took them out. Bankstown still winless. Sydney still undefeated. So that'll be good. Good to see how they go. Um, Illawarra blew out Manly in our game of the week. A couple of huge stat lines from those boys out there. Centre of excellence, stayed undefeated, and they were super impressive over North. So boys put it all together. I think they had about six guys in double figures. The uh, Maitland Mustangs, well-rounded, took care of Hornsby in Maitland. And uh, Mighty Gunners, It's it'll be a talking point later, I'm sure, but Go Gunners, go. They took over the top of uh, Sutherland at the end of the game. There was a lot of controversy. The refs left very quickly. and we'll get. I'm sure we'll get back to that later. Gunners, 73, <laughs> Sutherland, 1. Um, Newcastle rolled over the top of Hills as well. Uh, Hills still haven't got a win yet. I'm sure they'll be, they'll be working their butts off to change that. And uh, Inner West, I think probably pretty surprisingly, rolled, rolled uh, Albury in Inner West. It seemed like they had everything clicking. Didn't get to watch too much of it, but again, some monster, monster stat lines. And then the last one on Sunday, the uh, Sunny Coast Crusaders, my second favorite, um, yeah, second favorite team along the Central Coast is um, they took it out over Penrith. They won't get up by eleven points on the weekend. That was the only other tightly contested game for them. Yeah, quite the uh, quite the eventful game actually. That one, lots of ups and downs, lots of changing of margins. There was a point where the Crusaders were up by most as most as as much as twenty, and then Penrith came back within nine. Uh, so lots of fluctuating scores kept it very exciting. Whether trash talk was a part of that or not, Reese, I can't confirm. Uh, it comes with the territory. It, it comes with the territory. You know what you're in for when you come play against the Crusaders, right? That's it. But um, lots of pushing and shoving, lots of argy-bargy in that game as well, but thankfully nothing spilled into anything too serious. And uh, I did like as well how you mentioned for that uh, Sharks-Gunners games, there were some interesting calls at the end of that game. And, Lockie, when Reese said that, your eyes were quite wide and uh, intrigued, so I'm sure that you can both share some insights when we uh, get into that game a little bit later. So really interesting round. It looks like the COE, as you said, Reese, are just dominating. They had they had all the parts put together to totally dismantle Norths, it looks like, and now they're 6-0 and zero at the top of the table. And uh, Comets, as you mentioned, with another win, they're 4-0 and zero at the top of the table. But they got the Sutherland Sharks next round after Easter. Lucky, I'll go to you first. How do you see that uh, traditional rivalry going now that we're in season? I think it's going to be really, really interesting. We saw um, Archie Woodhill's back for Comets. Of course, he was out last week. He came back. Um, you saw Lockie Hutchison um, leave the game fairly early for Sutherland as well. So uh, hopefully he's back. He didn't look too um, perturbed by whatever had happened. So with the extra week off, he might be might be quite all right. But uh, yeah, Sutherland really need to bounce back. You know, they've lost two games in a row, both on their home court, where you know they really pride themselves on uh, on getting wins at home. So they'll come out firing. But yes, Comets certainly look uh, tough to stop at the moment. Mm. And Reese, COE top of the ladder, six and zero. Yeah, just taking apart the North Bears in round four. Um, they've got the Bandits next. Now the Bandits are probably a little bit older, got some bigger bodies to compete with. Well, how do you see this one going? Um, I think it was particularly impressive on the weekend. They had no Alex Tui. They were missing a big big piece of their rotation. They still got it done. I think it's just a next man up kind of thing. They're, they're so young and they're fit and their ball movement is just overwhelms a lot of teams. So I think, I think they'll still be 
okay, no matter who they suit up. Having Big Rocco out there as well is just a uh, Aubrey look like their imports are actually they're, they're really solid this year. They came to play. Sometimes it's a bit hit and miss with the imports that they bring out, but I think this year the Aubrey imports are uh, they're the real deal. I think it's just how deep are they going to be? How far can they rotate? Because the center of excellence boys are. They're, they're cooking. They're just cooking the hell out of everybody right now. I thought that was going to be a close game last week against um, – who did they play last week? It was Hawks, Illawarra. The same thing. Mm. Just took care of them very easily, almost by half time. It was a really good game to watch, but it was – yeah, the boys are – they're playing some really good basketball right now. Awesome. And because mm-hmm. uh, that was the – that's like, as Lockie said before, last week that was our grand final preview. So in one of our earlier episodes, Lockie predicted COE to win both men and women for NBL 1 East, whereas I went with Illawarra Hawks men and North women. So we've kind of tested the waters already uh, and we're only four rounds in. So we're one and one on that so far, Lockie, in early days. Um, what about, let's talk more about this COE Norse game. Let's start with the women's game. Lockie, what were your main takeaways from this one? I, I had all faith that Renee Garlop would have a great game plan to get this done. Well, I think uh, both these teams, they're really, they're really well drilled. Um, as um, Reese said about the men having good ball movement, so do the women. And you can tell that they're a team that practices together a lot. But the thing that Norse have is, they don't have that youthful impetuousness, you know. They've got the experience that, you know, they don't have these little lapses that young players sometimes just have because they're young. I think that that showed in the turnover count. It was um, 21 turnovers to 10. Um, ironically, five of those 10 turnovers came from Kate Seabom, who is a player you would expect to uh, be, you know, you know the, the, the calm head out there. But uh, you know, Norse got out to some big leads, and it's um, all credit to COE to to coming back. Um, of course, Juffermans and Petrie had big games for COE, but Sarah Schicker, I mean, she's not as big as Juffermans, but you know, she holds her own. You know, she's got those years of experience, and she's stronger than um, you know, her size deficit would would show. I'd. But what I really want to make mention of, and it's it's bigger than the game, is Carla Pittman was in under-19s camp with a lot of these players just a few weeks ago. Uh, and now she's come out, and that's under-19 national team camp, and now she's come out and dropped 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, shot 56% from the field and had just one turnover against a bunch of players who will she's hoping will be national team teammates or she'll be fighting for a spot in the national team against. And she's just done that in a competitive fixture against these players. Whereas for COE, it was Juffermans and Petrie and Clark who did, you know, the heavy lifting for them. So very, very good signs for young Carla Pittman. Yeah, certainly playing with something to prove in that round and her timing was perfect. She probably didn't have uh, the most ideal start, I guess, to the NBL 1 East season, but she certainly picked up a game very, very quickly. So, yeah, something to prove against, as you said, hopefully her um, under-19 Aussie teammates. Uh, she will definitely be competing with a couple of those people at the COE for, for a spot. Um, but just like, you know, Izzy Morgan before her, there's definitely a spot in that uh, team for, for the taking and Izzy Morgan wasn't someone that went to COE, I don't think. So she was also a Norse uh, player that, that got in there for the under-19. So anything's possible. Fingers and toes crossed for Carla Pittman. Um, but, yeah, Petrie with 19 and 14 was, was quite outstanding. Um, and Maddie O'Hare as well for Norse with 20 points, uh, backing up Carla Pittman's 20 points. So good to see Maddie trying to um, hitting her straps as well. Reese, did you happen to catch any of this game? I didn't catch any of the girls' game. I got bits and pieces actually, and it just seemed seemed like Norse were beating COE at their own game. Like like you were saying, a lot of ball movement, good tempo and pace about how they played, but it wasn't anything that um. Wasn't anything the COE hadn't seen before. I think it was just more experience. Knew when to slow it down. Knew when to push the pace. It was, it was impressive. Renee got him. Renee's got him playing really well. 
Yeah, I think that's a really sound observation, actually. I've noticed that so far just watching our Crusaders men because we have, you know, lots of young blood and the big thing that I keep saying in the commentary box is like when to slow down and when to go is a massive teaching point, I think, for a lot of young teams. And this North women's side, a lot of them have played together for a really long time. Renee obviously herself being a part of the the core group as a player, now the coach. So their history can't really be, you know, um, what's the word? You can't. You have to consider the history that this group had, and I think that maturity certainly got them over the line. So very nice observation, Reese. But it sounds like you probably uh, were there for the men's COE North game. Did you catch more of that one? Um, again, I, I, I had to see it all. I had to try and observe all. You, you, you worded me up that I was going to be coming on the pod, so I had to sit at home and try to flick between a few. So I, I got most of the Gunners game. I got some of the boys' COE game. I was flicking like crazy. You should have seen it. It was it was mayhem at the K-House. But the um the boys were – the boys are just – I don't know. I think they – how many threes did they make? They made 12 threes. It feels like they're just – they're always on top of you. The momentum is just – it's it doesn't stop. Their tempo and the way that Robbie's got them just running everything right now is that it's so fluent. And if it's not fluent, he's – gonna let you know about it so there's like a there's a good demand to make sure that it is like they're playing their own style and I think with um with no Tui especially Henny has been the best player on the court in the last few weeks by far he's just no one's coming close to him I don't know what his future holds but he's yeah he's playing some outstanding basketball well, he had a taste of the Boomers roster as well earlier this year. So, look, looks like the sky's the limit for this kid. He's probably an early contender for league MVP or at least All-Star 5. Um, I'm pretty sure he's been in most of our All-Star 5s. I mean, whether that has much weight or not, you know, he's <laughs> out for the uh, peanut gallery to decide. But um, if not, an, at least an honourable mention because his stats have been outstanding. Um, is, is this a team, is the COE team or the systems very much the style that's come in in the last, say, five, ten years of layups and threes only or um, is it, are they still playing, you know, back to the basket, post moves, mid-range game? Like what, um, what are they all about? I think it's from watching it, it's not like anybody, tr- everyone's trying to stay in their position but it's I think the most deadly part is that everyone can do a bit of everything. Like you can see Rocco step out and hit a three and it's like, how are we supposed to go at 7-3 at the ring, let alone 7-3 out on the three-point line? But I think the the interesting thing to watch is, I don't remember which one of you guys tipped them to be the, the favourites for winning. I would have said the same thing, but I remembering that a few of them graduate pretty soon and they'll be leaving town. So I think it'll be a lot of the young globe coming through and... I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be really honest. I don't think you miss much. Like there's gonna be some very good players coming through. You saw, uh, who was it came through? I think Luke. Luke Fennell, bald on the weekend. Jerk, uh, Furphy as well. There's a bunch of guys staying around, so I don't think you really get any rest if you're the opposition. But the graduating guys, like the Tuies and the Hannies, they're really gonna lose. They'll lose a step, and it will be maybe not as fluent, as in your face, but as is in Australia, the basketball. Level talent level in in Australia is pretty high, so I think I look forward to seeing how those guys go with their new roles once the other guys graduate. Yeah, super interesting. It was lucky to be fair that uh, has tipped both COE teams to win the NBL One East men and men and women's comps uh, for twenty twenty three. But what happened with North? Like, is it a case of COE just? being too good or were North just didn't turn up on the day? Um, I think it's – they got Junior Madut. Junior Madut's obviously pretty – he's a handy little player, old Junior, by the seams. I haven't seen too much of him, but they – I know they got a lot of new players in this year, so I suppose getting their, getting their rhythm down pat. I don't think Rhymer's played too much. I don't know if he's been around or what's been happening, but a lot of new pieces. I'm sure they'll be okay. Every team, as it is in the season, they all get better as the season – progresses you get a lot more time together I don't think it's anything any panic stations kind of thing but they um yeah they did just run up against a better team on the day that is their first loss now we're saying that so I don't think anyone's on any hot seats but they'll be all right 
What about you, Lockie? Any hot takes from this men's game, uh, COE versus North? Well, I think Reese is 100% correct in mentioning Brennan Reimer. I mean, the guy averaged was it 23 points a game last season and regularly put teams to the sword last year. You take him out, it's going to be extremely tough to uh, to replace and even doing it by committee. But uh, I think, yeah, once they figure out, I mean, Junior Madut has been flying lately if they can just get him a little bit of help and find out figure out exactly how they want to uh get things running uh he's, he's doing a lot by himself but uh yeah I mean, if they get Reimer back it's it's, in, it's a complete game changer for them and they've still got uh players there they've got Nathaniel Musters has moved over from Bankstown they've still got the wise head of Anatoly Bowes there in the side and they've got some uh good young players coming through so nothing really to be too worried about at this stage and one one loss. I mean, it's yeah, nothing nothing to uh, no panic stations yet. And still a good night out at Mooseheads afterwards. I'm sure uh, playing in Canberra. That's the perks of playing in Canberra is uh, getting to go out in Mooseheads after. I'm, I'm, I mean, from personal experience, anyway. Everyone is uh, that's probably subjective. But let's roll on through to the game of the week, which was the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles and the Illawarra Hawks. So for me, I watched some of the women's game uh, and it was, you know, Manly just dominated, uh, to, to be fair. Something that was really interesting was that Manly had quite a nice spread of scorers. I think they had like five, six players that were all on 12 points apiece. Their field goal percentage was much improved from previous rounds, shooting 48%. Um, and as the game continued, their lead just got bigger and bigger. So lots of points from the bench and uh, lots of points in the paint as well for Manly, which I thought super interesting. Um, also, it was really interesting, both teams having 20 turnovers each. So probably something that Manly need to tidy up a little bit because I think their turnovers this season has been relatively high. Um, but Manly uh, Hawks only scored two points off those 20 turnovers, whereas Manly scored 17 off the Hawks turnovers. But... Illawarra Hawks have some work to do. Their shot field goal percentage overall was only 25%. Um, I think they're really desperate for some dominant scorers. It's good to see Rebecca Abel back to put some firepower into the Hawks and backing up Ella Dent a little bit. Um, And they only had 31 rebounds for the game too, so probably a point of improvement as well. Lockie, I'm going to go to you. Did you get much of this game? I did manage to catch a bit of it, and you're right. Yeah, five players with 12 points exactly. For uh, for Manly and uh, twenty four spread out across the uh, rest of the team with uh, I think ten players getting on the score sheet in the end. But uh, interesting, we saw Georgia Ordorf for one week for Illawarra, and then she hasn't been spied since. So in a game where they lost the rebound count by thirty, she would have been very handy to have. But I'll, I want to make a point about um, Sari Mowbray chalking up 12 points in 15 minutes for Manly because she's had a couple of big 30-point games, admittedly not against uh, Matthew Opposition in our youth league. But at NBL uh, 1 East level, she hasn't really been, you know, one of the main scorers. I mean, when you've got Delaney's, Miller, uh, Honey Badger Hodge all in the roster, you know, there's only so many points to go around. But it was really good to see her you know, knock down a couple of threes uh, finished with 12 points and four rebounds. So, yeah, really, really good scoring spread for Manly. And uh, you notice, I'm just looking at those 20 turnovers, eight for Kim Hodge, which is a bit of an interesting one. You would think, you know, in a game with no uh, real bigs, you know, real high-profile bigs for uh, for Illawarra, that uh, to have for her to have five, eight turnovers is a probably the one main concern if you can uh, take real concerns out of a 34-point victory. Yeah, it's unlike Kim Hodge to have a high turnover um, count as she did, but perhaps she did take a week off, so perhaps she was just readjusting to uh, the game again. I mean, as we know, just taking one week off can make a massive difference to your performance and, and mentally trying to catch up with the game too. But for the men, uh, Illawarra ended up getting the win. Um, just based on what I saw, the Manly men, uh, brand new team, brand new coach, total rebuild for them. But their ball movement was heaps better compared to previous rounds. And as the game continued, uh, opposite to 
uh, the Illawarra Hawks women. As the game continued, the Manly men actually got better. So they're definitely showing some promise. Um, and like you said earlier, Reese, like it's early days. You, you, all these teams are going to get better and better as the league goes on. It's going to get tighter and tighter as we head into finals in August. But much better spread of scorers as well for Manly compared to uh, previous um, rounds. Uh, for the Hawks, they just dominated in that first quarter, 25-8 to 8 in favour of the uh, Illawarra Hawks men in that first quarter with Noah Pagotto just dominating with a double-double again. Now, I was trying to find some intel about this kid and it looks like he's only 19. I think he's actually from Port Macquarie, so I hope I've got that right when I try to do a little bit of a sneaky Google. Um, but super exciting if he's only 19. Uh, the Hawks men shot 51% from the field, but what I thought was really interesting stat is that Manly actually shot nearly 20 more shots than Illawarra and uh, yet lost by um, quite the deficit. So, Reese, did you happen? I know we, we definitely tasked you, Reese, for your first podcast episode with us with a lot of homework. But so listen, if you didn't catch any of that this game, that's fine. But did you happen to catch any? You'll be surprised, but I did. I did catch a bit. In the first half, I caught um, yeah, I caught enough of the first half where I thought I was. I didn't get to see their improvements as the game went on. Let's say that I saw the first half, and I think that was, yeah, no, Manly's completely new team. It's a, it seems like they're really a, a really young team, which is exciting for Manly. Like they've got a, not a whole lot of old. I suppose a lot of these teams have maybe the old go hangs around or whatever it is. I don't know if Manly had that, which is exciting for them. They've got a, if they got better as a game went on, that's awesome. I think it's obviously, it is tough to win shooting 33% from the field. So promising they got more shots. I think it's, it's on them to still sound very simple, but put them, put them through the hole. The, uh, the, uh, what was I talking about? Wollongong. So I saw Pagato at, um, he was at under twenties nationals, and he got defensive player of the tournament. He was like a like a brick wall. You weren't getting through him. We played them in the uh, one of the crossover games, and he he wasn't as high on our scout as he should have been. He was immovable on defense and just really reliable on offense. Him paired with Will Hickey. Will Hickey's been playing insane. He's he's toying with people at this level, and it's like it's really good to see that he's coming out and just having. It looks like he's having a lot of fun. The, um, they're obviously without Waxy as well. They didn't have Waxy or Tim Conrad this week. And other guys got to step up, a couple of other guys in double figures. Everyone hit the floor for them, so it's it's good. They seem like they're having a lot of fun playing basketball in Illawarra right now. I'm sure they'll be up in the top four by the time the season's done. Yeah, they're my pick for the men's champion for this season. And, uh, yeah, Pogotto, uh, so good to hear that he went really well at Nationals. Just... His decision-making and his touch under the basket in this game against Manly was really, really exceptional, especially for someone that's only 19. Um, but, yeah, as you said, no waxy. Lucas Walker being uh, out in, on uh, Australia duties, uh, playing three, 3x3 in the Asia Cup, and I think they came second. They did. They got the silver medal. So well done to them. And our uh, women's team. Uh, shout out to them who also who got the gold medal. So well done to them. Unfortunately, none of them played NBL One East, but maybe one day. But uh, what about you, Lockie? Just to wrap it up, did you have any other key takeaways from this game of the week? Well, yeah, Illawarra doing it without um, no Harry Morris. Mm, yeah, well, and also, Reese, you mentioned Pagotto being an immovable brick wall on defense. Well, it doesn't help that. Manly that Phil DePood also had five blocks for awesome. Illawarra's. Pair those two. It's, uh, no wonder that uh, things didn't start too well for Manly uh, for Manly in that game. Got to agree. Yeah, with that's that. yeah. So Hawks are really missing quite a lot of players. Just looking at the analysis, points in the paint. Oh, it was actually pretty close. Yeah, some, some stats in this game, given the scoreline. I mean, the scoreline was only 15, to be fair. Um, but some of the stats, like, are still super close, like close in rebounds, close in turnovers, points in the paint relatively close. But, yeah, I think it just really came down to what you said, Reese. just put the ball in the hole. Simple game at the end of the day. Simple. The end. <laughs> All right. Are we ready? 
to chop up this one. Sharks, Gunners, I've got the two best people to talk about this game with me. Lockie, you were there. I'm going to start with you. Give us a quick recap about the game and then, Reese, I'm going to throw it to you so we can start getting into what is happening for the Gunners this season. So take it away, Lockie. It was a block, not a charge. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, We'll come to that later. Um, sorry, a bit loud there. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I did. I called this game. Um, it was a bit. It was an interesting one. Um, trying to get my, wrap my head around it. Uh, of course, Lockie Hutchison only played 17 minutes for Sutherland, which didn't help. But once again. Sutherland, and it is a club thing, not a team thing. Offensive rebounds, guys. Stop giving them up. Please. Get a body on. Jeez. I mean, it's not it's it's a bit it's difficult to say get a body on Glenn Morrison, but he did have eight offensive rebounds in the contest, and it ended up with um Canberra shooting uh ten more field goal attempts than the Sharks. But what I noticed and I'm sure I haven't watched as much of Canberra as Reese has uh, this season, but uh, looks like uh, with Nicole Peters in the new import starting to find his find his way, and with Dale Feig moving into the starting lineup, it looked a lot less. Oh, we're in trouble. Throw it to Glenn, and more. We've got a couple of options now than they have in previous weeks, because mm-hmm. I think mean, Morrison still finished with uh, 22 and 20 in the end, but. Uh, Peter's had almost as many field goal attempts and he didn't shoot well all night, especially from three-point range, but it definitely looked like it opened things up a lot more. And having Dale Feig looking back to his best, I mean, he started the season coming off the bench, certainly the Gunners just looked, they didn't look like a team that had started one and three. But yeah. for uh, Sutherland, oh, go on, Rex. No, 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 you got it, you got to get it. I cut you off. Sorry, brother. Uh, all right. Um, but for Sutherland, uh, I mean, the, the girl like Morrison uh, battle in the paint all night was just really, really, really fun to watch. Uh, Morrison spinning left on Gerlach, Gerlach hitting those little hooks he loves over Glenn and Markel Beasley getting in there on the paint, threw down some monster dunks and they can really be a, a really good um, duo in the paint. But... Yeah, the Sharks, they they missed Hutchison a little bit. Uh, Aaron Waban played some good minutes, uh, but the three-point shooting letting them down again, apart from Callum Norris hitting two right at the start of the third quarter where everyone in the stadium thought, all right, Sharks, they're on one. They're going to start hitting some threes. They were 0-14 apart from that two, three-minute stretch. So once again, it came down to going, going to work inside, trying to get to the rack, and Canberra just... Too good on the final play. So, what's the go with Lockie Hutchinson only playing seventeen minutes? Not sure. I could, he spent a bit of time in the locker room um, after half time. We were trying to get a look at him. Um, he didn't seem too, you know, nothing seemed too bad. But uh, yeah, he didn't didn't return after that. Uh, yeah, go, heading to the locker room. I think it was just before half time. So, uh, good good minutes from Aaron Waban. Didn't didn't score a lot, but uh, certainly. Uh, you know, he gave us some good minutes at the point. But uh, Jordan Mitchell, he can always shift over and, and handle the ball, which he did for a lot in his 29 minutes and finished with five assists in the end. So we got a few options, but I mean, we know Hutchison's one of the top point guards in the league. You know, you can only, you can only hope to do so much to replace him. Yeah, so really interesting. Uh, I, you know, sometimes when you only watch snippets of a game and you just go by stats and you see someone uh, like a stud like Lockie Hutchinson only playing 17 minutes, I just thought he had must have had an injury and couldn't come back on. Uh, I Well, I think it, it, was an, it was an injury. I'm just not sure how severe it is. Mm. Well, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully mm. the Easter break will bring some much-needed rest and recuperation so he can attack round five after Easter. Um, but Reese, your boys, the Gunners, getting it done in a sounds like an absolute thriller and a and a real battle of the post players as well between Gerlach and the Brindabella Beak and Glenn Morrison. Um, what are your summer takeaways from that game? Um, I think to further the point from before, the uh, like it is hard to win 
with a shooting 33% from the field, but the Gunners managed to do it, man. I don't know how it was. It was not an easy game to watch. It was a lot of defense, a lot of post play, which people of my size don't really gravitate towards. But there's there's a last season there was a lot of there was a sense of the boys beaten to their own drum, and we kind of we figured out how to do it. So it was towards especially towards the end of the season that that drum circle just got a bit more. There was a flow to it, and I think just trying to add like a few of those new additions into the drum circle and see how they integrate. It's going to take time, and seeing the boys in their circle at the start of training is just something that we, we it's a bit off rhythm at the moment, and it's been a slow start. But it's it's if you look, it was very similar to last season. It wasn't perfect straight away. There was a lot of new pieces, and you lose Mayfield, you lose a catch. I'm not even really going to throw myself in there. There was a few other older boys that left, but. Bringing in some other guys, it was just, it's, it's, it's a scary time to be other teams. If the boys are figuring out that defense wins games, then that's, that's the thing that I think. Um, yeah, Petey's got him in the right direction right now. I talk to Pete pretty often, and he's, he's got him playing D. He's got him thinking about their D first, and outside of that, like we said, shooting thirty three percent, you don't win many games doing that, but. I appreciate you saying that it was good defense towards the end, Lockie. I'll, I'll take that as a conceding a victory on that one, man. Thank you. It's it's funny because exactly what I mentioned in the call in my pregame notes was that Canberra's um, defensive rating wasn't too crash hot, even though the teams had similar offensive ratings. But I mean, they must have brought that right back down, you know, to concede just seventy-one points. So yeah, de- definitely on the upswing there at the defensive end. Yeah, it was a focus. Obviously, they don't. They see the same numbers you do, so they see that they're one of the worst defense. If that was the, if that was a trend, they would have gone down as one of the worst defensive teams in, in this league's short history. So I think they know they know what their their focus is. They're going to be fine. They'll get back in the circle and they'll figure all that out. It's just a, a heavy dose of Glenn um, introducing Nick into the lineup and giving Dale the reins to, yeah, get that confidence back. It's. Scary side also when Tui's been shooting atrocious to start the season. I love James Tui, and he's going to get it going, but he's been he's been uncharacteristically not hitting his straps just yet. So when, once they get it all clicking together like they did in the first round, I think it's a. It's obviously I can't bash the boys there. They got they got a lot of good things going for them. Once they get it clicking, they'll be fine. Yeah, because James dropped thirty odd in the first round, didn't he? And then since then, it's been yeah. Just wondering, yeah, well, where, where he's been since, really. Yeah, he's been in the gym. He's been shooting a lot of threes. He's been, um, you know, he's he's in it in his own little way. He's been getting buckets. He's just, I think there's a lot of attention on him, a lot of attention on Glenn, and outside of that, now with Slot and Dale back into the lineup and a few other guys getting a bit more freedom. To Max, he's been shooting well. Millsy's gonna sensible. Sean's gonna turn it around, and he. Uh, I think James, once he gets a few more open looks, he's it's it's gonna be a problem for the other teams again. It's just it'll take time. Very similar to last year. It's a bit of a slow start and I don't I don't fear for the boys. I know everyone else is kind of thinking what the hell's going on in that camp, but it's a it's a positive camp and the boys are the boys are still having fun, so I think they'll be all right. Talk to us a little bit more about uh, you know, Will May- Mayfield's gone to play NBL One South for Mount Gambier Pioneers. You've got a catcher going to NBL One Central to play for North Adelaide Rockets. Those two very valuable pieces to your championship win uh, in the inaugural NBL One East season last year. Particularly a catcher, I feel like he was a really big uh, go-to guy for for scoring, and he and Dalfeig worked really really well together. So talk to me a little bit more about maybe Will Mayfield's absence to this rotation. What are, what is the, what are the current Gunners missing? Like what was it that Will could bring? I, th- I think it's no secret that our mate Will has one of the most unique styles of basketball I've ever seen, and I don't know how he does it. It's just it's so unconventional that he – I watched his two games over the weekend. I think he put up 18 and 16, and again, it's just – it doesn't make sense how he is, like how he makes the shots he makes. But you lose the Queen in Carpenter, you lose Big Zuddy. It's just, it's, it's going to be a, an adjustment period. Like there's going to be a, a time where you just got to kind of work things out together. And maybe 
I talk with Pete a lot. Like I said, I think maybe it's a style of game, a different style of play. Like we can roll it into Glenn and do the same things as we did last season. But I think it's when when you can give it to Mayfield, you can give it to a catch and you can kind of just get out of the way and know that whatever shot they're going to create either for themselves or someone else is going to be a good shot. So I don't think the... Um, I don't think you can account for that, especially in the preseason when Will was training with us in the preseason and the boys might not have realized straight away. I think also losing uh, Pandas out with a bit of an injury, Cam Panda, adding Lockie Smith, both really, really good juniors. I think there's a few other juniors that haven't played as well that are in the squad and I think their um, their additions into the team, again, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but the way that those guys play and they compete is just, it's it's super impressive. I can't wait for them to get rolling, get a few more minutes, get their legs underneath them. Same with Maxi. I think he's shooting it really well. He's confident. He loves playing in the Central Coast for some un, unforeseen reason. But he's um, <laughs> once the boys get it clicking, they'll be okay. Interesting. And, um, yeah, you mentioned, you know, really young talent like Lockie Smith. I totally agree. Very competitive he provides so much spark off the bench for this Gunners team. And I think as a junior coming into a more senior team, kind of trying to cut your own path and develop your own role and identity in the team, I think being someone who could just do those one percenters, bringing energy off the bench, making sure, you know, he's, he's in like people's faces for blocks, playing great D. I think um, that's going to suit the Gunners, especially in the long run. Um, but I feel like... Uh, yeah, I feel like there's certainly some reliance on Glenn Morrison a little bit too much in the earlier rounds to be the scorer, particularly in that game against Maitland Mustangs uh, at Belconnen, where you could see that the half-court offense started to get really stagnant. They just kind of chuck it into Glenn and be like, all right, off you go. And uh, <laughs> probably, I mean, he found a way most of the time. He's still averaging a double-double. Um, mm. I think he's averaging like close to 20 points too. I had it written yeah. down somewhere, but anyway, yeah. uh, it's amongst my piles and piles and notes of things. But, um, yeah, so hopefully it's a good that you both both of you have observed that it sounds like uh, their offense is probably coming together, some people stepping up into those scoring roles a little bit more. But you mentioned, you know, James Tui, you mentioned Lockie. He had that 30-point game uh, the start in round one and then since hasn't really hit his stride. But Reese, you also mentioned that he has been hitting the gym and, and hitting, taking a lot of shots. So it'd be interesting to get both of your opinions in the sense of, do you feel like there's such thing as overtraining? Reese, I'll go to you first. Yeah, let the guy who's actually played at a high level talk about this first. <laughs> I think um, I think you can speak, especially for James. He's a he's we call him the shot doctor down here. He's a He's a great defender. He's all sorts. Of, he's a lot of things, but he's. I don't think there's any amount of shots that he can take. Too many. I think it's a. That might be a non-shooter's perspective because that's what I think. If I go in the gym too much, then I feel like it's. Oh, I've put up too many. I'm not in my. I'm overthinking it, kind of thing. But if you watch James too in an in an empty gym, it is. It's seriously impressive. I think it's just a matter of time until he gets it. Gets it going. And same with guys like. Spot we yeah, I don't know, you guys call them the Duke of Double Doubles. I haven't heard that one down here just yet, but it's catching on. It's catching on. Spicy P. He gets it it's the boys are getting in the gym a lot. They they realise that it's um it's it's not going the way they'd anticipated and they're hard at work. Same with Tui. I think Tui drags a lot of other guys to the gym with him, but I don't think for Tui and Max's sake, they can't get enough of them up. It's game reps. It's making sure they get the shots that you take are in game situations, it's not they're not standing there for an hour doing catch and shoot. They're on the move. They're taking tough ones. They're tiring themselves out and then taking those kind of shots. So, yeah, again, I think it's a matter of time. They'll be fine. Interesting that you say you haven't heard the Duke of Double Doubles because I had that on authority from a Canberra source. Yeah, it's I don't know. They throw around a lot of nicknames. I just I don't catch on to all of them down here. I refer to him as Spicy or Spicy or our little. Our, nah, I don't call him our little anything. He's um, it's our little beacon, our little beacon down here. He's not the Brenda Bella beacon. That's too. That's over. <laughs> but the yeah, I think um, I haven't heard the the Duke of Double Doubles. That's an interesting one. I don't mind it. I don't know if you guys coined it, but it's it's all right. 
Yeah, I learned that from Lockie. So well, I learned that from I learned that from um, basketball ACT socials. Oh. Yeah, someone down there, someone down there's uh, got it. And I don't think I've ever like. I mean, we got to call a couple of the nationals games. Uh, sorry, the Gunners games at nationals. Lockie and I. I'm not sure now. For reference, those that are listening, the Duke of Double Doubles, Spicy P, Petey is uh, uh, Pietro Badalassi. Pietro, Pietro Badalassi. Yeah, <laughs> He's on the he's on the Dodge Migos, just the Migos we call them. He's a yeah. They ran second in the grand final last year. We don't like to bring it up. We don't like to do it. They ran into our little beacon, Jim Tui, myself, Sensible Sean. There was a whole list of them. We do, I'd hate to bring it up again for him. <laughs> Sensible Sean, this is great. I've got to try and keep these in the back of my uh, commentary pocket if I ever get to commentate the Gunners again this season because us at the Crusaders, we've done a I feel like we've done a pretty decent job giving most of the men's team nicknames. We've got to work on the women's team. But, um, yeah, we've got the likes of we used to have the Saviour, but he's now retired. So now we've got the Messiah. We've okay. got Poker Face, Old Blue Eyes, Cassidy. Uh, oh, it goes on and on and on. Old Blue Eyes threw me off. I didn't really, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't my favourite. I'm, li- I'm happy. <laughs> I love listening to your commentary, Squim, but that one was, it threw me for six. <laughs> That's very physical. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was suggested by our GM, so uh, we we just chuck that in. I think it must be some kind of uh, like location joke between because the GM and Luke Cassidy works for the club, so maybe it was just a little bit of banter in the workplace that's now <laughs> permanent in the commentary box. But Lucky, what are your some of your takes on the Gunners just before we wrap up and head to our All Star Five of Round Four? Oh, well, what do I need to add that Reese hasn't already said? Uh, I mean, I mean I, I'm just really happy to see Dolph Eek in the starting lineup. Of course, you know, I was lucky enough to call his two plays of the season last year at NBL 1 National Finals. Although yelling out, oh, my goodness, twice in a row probably doesn't count as um, commentating. But <laughs> uh, it's certainly a very exciting player to watch. And, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm especially after they got the win against Sutherland. Uh, one and four is a difficult hole to get out of, even at this early stage. Two and three, it just it just looks so much better. and it, I mean, it is so much better. And if things are on the way up, as Reese is suggesting, then, you know, watch out. I said, you know, I said earlier in the season, there's no reason they can't contend. And, I mean, I'm going to stand by that for now. Uh, they want to... If I want to prove me right, I'll be more than more than happy to uh, accept the praise at the end of the season. Thanks for saying that, Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, head into our All Star Five for round four. Um, in terms of news and gossip, just quickly, I don't personally have any real particular news or gossip other than just to consider uh, Eliza Fabro has joined us uh, in NBL One East for Sutherland Sharks. So welcome, Eliza. She has played for the Townsville Fire the last two seasons, so she's still riding the high of a WNBL chip. And she also played for Townsville in NBL One North last season. So it's lovely to have her down here. But uh, Lauren Nicholson and Shyla Hill not competing in round four of NBL One East due to Opal's duties. I mean, that's a pretty good reason to miss a round. But we can probably expect them to be back in action after the Easter break for round five. So who wants to go first? Lockie, I'm going to go to you. You've been tasked with the All-Star 5 uh, for the women for round four. There were some big stats in the women this round. So I'm going to be very interested to hear what you got. It certainly were. I'll kick it off with some uh, honourable mentions. Uh, we had Michaela Domkins. And Ashley Hannon, each having 22-point double-doubles in in a West and Albury-Wodonga, respectively. Brody Page Theodore, 13 points, 11 assists. Uh, Talia Tupaya for Penrith, 
20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Again, playing those really big minutes for Penrith. Jess Petrie, double-double. Sydney Hunter as well. Abby Kettles really uh, fired late on for the Canberra Nationals, almost uh, dragged them back into contention with 19 and 14. And Lizzie Tonks, 12 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, six steals. And we can't forget Manly, five players with exactly the same points tally. I think that's notable in and of itself. But uh, we'll get to the All-Star 5 now, and we're kicking off with Emma Mahardy, 35 points and 20 rebounds, shooting 12 of 20 from the field and 5 of 10 from three-point land in the 97-74 win over Inner West. Uh, Not too far behind, Nicole Munger, 25 points, 23 rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block in a... Unexpectedly close, 67 to 57 win over Hills. Uh, given the form of both teams, uh, Hills doing well to keep that in a, keep that competitive. Um, your girl, everyone's favourite, Sarah Matthews, 37 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, nine of 17 from free three point land. Please get a hand in her face for Central Coast over Penrith, getting family bragging rights. In the 84-63 win. Interestingly, you brought that up on social squin. Four sets of sisters in that game. The Pedersons, the Matthews, the Forkadillas, and... The Baileys. And the Baileys. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, four sets of sisters in that game. Crazy. Uh, and a sister-in-law with Johnny. And a sister-in-law as well with Johnny. So, Shakira Riley... 27 points, nine rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block in a big 104-52 win for Maitland over Hornsby. And I mentioned her before, and her stats might not have been as big as some other players, but with something to prove for Norse in that win over COE, Carla Pittman, 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and two steals in a clutch 75-70 win. One honourable mention I forgot because it seems we're going to bring her up every week. Kira Hudson, 19 points. The youngster for Hornsby just keeps getting it done in tough circumstances for a young player. That sounds good. Was that five? That was five. Mahardi, Munger, Matthews, Riley, and Pittman. Excellent. Well done. Very well-rounded. Yeah, I saw some of those stats, particularly Mahardi and Munger, and I literally was like, oh, like I, I felt it viscerally. Those stats were so big, especially Mahardi's 35 and 20. It's like, oh, my God. And that was a game against Inner West where – Inner West had Domkins and Mitchell back. Uh, Inner West looking heaps better than last season, so credit to them. But also Bandits only had seven players, so she really had to, um, yeah, carry the team over the line to make sure they got the win there. So props to you, Emma Mahardy. Reese, your first time doing an All-Star 5 with us, and we are blessed for your picks. What have you got for us? Um. I got a few no-brainers, and then I got a few. It, I'll do the honourable mention. Squin, it was a huge, huge week of uh, just the yeah. big, big old stat lines this week. It was. I got an honourable mention, and I feel bad doing this. He had a thirty ball, but Blake Morrow against who did they play against? Oh gosh, in a West against Aubrey. He the only thing that held held him back from getting in my top five was there weren't many other stats that went with it. He had thirty-two and three, which is. Huge line and a massive win for those boys. Uh, Ryan Beastie filled up the stat sheet. If I had a fantasy league for NBL One East, I'd be picking up Ryan Beastie in my probably second round, I reckon. I'd take the beacon first, a bit of Beastie second round. He had 13, 8, 9, 3, and 3. Just ridiculous. He's he's a handy little player, old Beastie. And then the, uh, the third one I had, mentioned him before, Will Hickey's playing unreal. He had 17, 11, 8, and... There's probably a bunch of other stuff on there that I just forgot to write down. But I think he had playing. five steals or something, didn't he? Yeah, that's. I wouldn't surprise yeah. me. He, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he uh, my All Star Five, I had I had Hanny, Ben Henshaw from the AIS. He's again been playing out of this world. He had 29, six assists, and yeah, I've, I haven't gone the full nine yards with all the all the stats that fill up the rest of it. But 29 and six is. Still super tidy. Watching him play is just so under control, balanced, composed, all that good stuff. He uh, followed by Noah Pagato. I had Pagato in there. He had 27, 11, and two blocks. 
He's playing super well after nationals. He went to an Oz camp as well. He's been, yeah, he's just blowing everybody away right now. There's third guy, Alex Higgins Titcher, the guy from, San, uh, what's he from? Inner West, sorry. He had 29, 10 boards and four steals. He again filled up the stat sheet. I just ran out of room to write the rest of the stuff. So I'm sure he <laughs> went crazy as well. Uh, Miles Cherry had 27 and 12 off the bench, which is, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know about you blokes, but it's, there's <laughs> a lot going on. And the, the last one, I had to save it. And I hate to do this to you, Lockie, but I had the Brindabella beak, our little beacon on there. He went past George and he said, I love, I love the look of that, George. Something just doing something for me today. He went in, he had 22, 20 boards and a huge game ceiling, game saving charge right at the end, which I think there's no debate now that we've gone over it for an hour. I just think it was pretty clear. I've reviewed the footage, I've sent it upstairs. It's it's clear in my mind with a with the blue jersey on. I think it was a great defensive play by the beak. That's my five. <laughs> that's excellent very very well done Reese. especially for the first go like you said it's not an easy task to do this every week because there are just so many outstanding stats week to week both men's and women's I think it's that that block versus charge uh, in that game between the Sharks and Gunners we might have to put that out to a poll on our yeah. game Instagram and see what the, the players and the fans think about it um, yes if, if you're not aware of the play we're talking about Go and check it out. It's not on the highlight video, but it, you'll have to check it on the full replay of the game. Uh, it's Markel Beasley going up for what would have been a potentially game-winning and one, only to be denied by Glenn Morrison taking the full brunt of Markel Beasley right in the chest. I think if nothing else, you got to give it to Glenn for stepping in the way because that guy put down some huge ducks in the game. I know he certainly LA, did. as a former... NBL one go playing in that league, whatever. I'm not the guy stepping in to do that. I'll have the beacon do it any day. He's taking my he's taking my MVP of the week vote. Twenty and twenty with a huge charge. I love it. And I'm his friend, so I'll probably have to say that. <laughs> I actually ran into Mark like literally ran into Mark L. Beasley after a game and that was at very slow speed. Mm. And I was not happy about that. So anyone who's ha- willing to get in front of Mark L. More power to you. What were you doing running into him? Uh, we just shoot around after a game and two guys track down a loose ball and, yeah, things happen. Right. <laughs> it's true. Love it. And the commentator inches the import and it makes headlines. <laughs> Fortunately not. Oh, very well done, guys. So as we mentioned earlier, round four, uh, round five is going to be in two weeks' time because we have the Easter break. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the Easter break. <laughs> Tuning off, having a break, hopefully some uh, niggly injuries as well across the league uh, can get sorted, uh, get some time for some other superstars like Nicholson and Heal to come back into the fold. I'm sure there'll be lots of coaches doing some scouting and some preparation for round five because round five now I talked thought about reading this out to close the episode but to be honest I'm not going to be bothered because there's games on the Friday Saturday and Sunday it's, it's spread across the whole weekend and some people have double headers I've got I've got one more bit of goss if we want to close out on that I didn't I didn't get We'd to sneak this in to. before but love to. Speaking, speaking of coming back from injuries I'd be remiss if I didn't get to mention CJ13, rent three, rent free one three. It's a ha- bit of household news. It's going to be a bad day to be a Bruin. On the way back, guys, there's a, there'll be a return of Chloe Tuliak. She'll be coming back in the next round. So I would hate to see, hate to be on the other team, hate to be wearing the powder blue that night. It's just not going to be fun for those girls. Dang. <laughs> Both Lockie and I are silently cheering where we sit of that news that Chloe Tuliak is back. We have missed her. She was such a trooper during the WNBL season for the UC Caps. We're very, very excited to have her back on court and uh, just dominating for the Canberra Nationals. So great news. Thank you for sharing that, Reese. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, guys. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you for everyone taking interest in the MBO One East because we don't sleep on the East, certainly the underrated conference of the MBO One. 
uh, all over. But uh, thank you, Lockie. Thank you, Reese. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, find us on Instagram at eScottGame and uh, we'll try and get some more polls up there because people love a poll. But uh, I, I, otherwise, we'll see you on the other side of the Easter break. <laughs>